March 15th, 2022. It's here. My first book, Baby, Mom's Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self is out in the world. It takes a lot to write a book. A lot of time and energy, yes, but with a book like this, it takes a lot of vulnerability, a lot of falling down and getting back up again, a lot of learning from your mistakes, a lot of courage. When I set out to write this book, I had one intention, to help another mom along through one of the toughest and scariest times of her life, step by step, moment by moment, hand in hand. Now that this book is officially out in the world today, I am so honored that I get to have the opportunity to do that. This podcast episode contains a portion of my audiobook for you to get a sense of what you can expect from Moms Moving On. The two chapters I chose represent a sense of coming full circle, where you can expect to find yourself early on in the divorce process, and then later on down the road as you reconnect with yourself and set out to become your very best self. I hope you enjoy it. You can order the book, audiobook, or the Kindle by visiting the link in these show notes or via my website, www.momsmovingon.com. This audio excerpt is courtesy of Simon & Schuster Audio from Moms Moving On by Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, read by me, the author, copyright 2022 by Michelle Dempsey, LLC, used with permission of Simon & Schuster, Inc. Enjoy. Chapter 2. The Five W's of Breaking the News who, what, when, where, why, and how to spill the divorce beans. I'm so sorry to hear about your divorce, my mom's well-intentioned friend blurted out a few weeks after my split. We were standing in line at my neighborhood coffee shop. You know the one where everyone knows your name and every table is filled with women gossiping about the town's latest split, affair, or who cut them off in the school carpool line. I felt the pulse of the room start to slow as mine quickened. The blood rushed to my cheeks and my hands started to tingle. Good news travels fast, I thought, as I did an internal eye roll. I could feel my mom tense up and hold her breath, terrified of what might come out of my mouth. She had already asked me to at least pretend I was sad when people would offer their condolences. Her fingers were already on the back of my arm, ready to squeeze if I dared embarrass her. The thing was, though, I wasn't feeling sad, at least not in the way this woman was implying, and I wasn't about to pretend I was. So how to handle the giant box of pity she was waiting to unpack? I wasn't ashamed of the news, quite the opposite, in fact. I was proud. Proud of the idea that I took my life into my own hands and made the gut-wrenching decision to turn it upside down and start over. Proud that I could face the world with the scarlet D emblazoned on my Lululemon sports bra and still smile. Frankly, I would have put it on the back of a denim jacket as I paraded around town if I could have. I mean, yeah, I get it. A marriage was over. There was a fantastic wedding. What a band. Oh, and that cocktail hour. Did you see her shoes? Were they Valentino? There was money spent, weight lost, hours spent agonizing over flowers, linens, and music. There were beautiful vows exchanged. We meant those words. I know we did because we loved each other. But sometimes love just isn't enough. Sometimes it gets lost. The end of a marriage is a kind of loss. 
but it's also a time of renewal and hope and possibility. The woman in the coffee shop didn't know what had happened in my marriage. She had no idea that there was, in fact, nothing to pity me for. And here's the thing. I owed her nothing. No information, no story, no fake reaction. She was not my problem. I needed an almond milk latte extra hot, and then I needed to get the hell out of there. The second you decide to get divorced, you're going to have to deal with other people. The first thing to do is make a plan for who to tell what, when, and how. That's what this chapter is all about. You may have already experienced a coffee shop moment like this. It ain't fun. It's disappointing, really, in its predictability. But there are ways to handle it. First, accept that your split is the equivalent of Moses parting the Red Sea or the 50-yard line on a football field. An invisible line suddenly appears, cleanly dividing the people in your life. There are two groups now, the flockers and the fleers, and identifying them is a skill you need to master. The what? The flockers and the fleers. Let's start with the ones who flee, because they, in some ways, are easier to deal with. One half of the people you'd call your friends, acquaintances, or favorite coworkers become the fleers. Like wildlife heading for the highest point of ground before the tsunami hits, these people want nothing, I mean nothing, to do with the fact that you're getting divorced. It scares them, paralyzes them with the idea that they too could end up in your shoes. Before you know it, they've stopped asking to make plans, let texts go unanswered, and stammer awkwardly when they run into you at Target. These are the same people who don't laugh when someone trips and who have the strength to look away when passing a nasty car wreck. At first, this is going to feel really hurtful for you. I get it because I experienced this mass exodus of connections virtually as soon as the word got out. I didn't understand it then, but I do now. It's one of those, it's not you, it's me things. And it's almost better that they're giving you your space to deal with the flockers because that's who will demand most of your energy. Your real problem, the flockers. The flockers are the opposite of the fleers. They're the ones who not only slow down their car to crane their necks and soak in every detail of that car wreck on the side of the road, but also whip out their phones, snap some photos, and post them on social media without the slightest bit of shame. They ask why you had your car accident. Why couldn't you have swerved out of the way? Didn't you see the boulder in the road? Well, what are you going to do now? Get another car, I hope. These flockers mean well, but when they start in with their pity and their questions, all you'll want to do is scream, well, then go and marry him yourself, why don't you? The problem is, much like my mom's friend in the coffee shop, these flockers don't know the half of your story and what led you to where you are right now. That woman didn't know that there were years upon years of shit I had to wade through in order to even gather the strength to split from my husband. She didn't know that this pain came from being the product of a home ripped apart, a single mother who stopped at nothing to move her life forward, onward, and upward. She didn't know that just three years ago, my self-esteem was non-existent and I was nothing more than a hologram of myself, perfectly fine on the outside, but vapid, blurry, and utterly confused on the inside. She didn't know that giving birth to my daughter finally helped me make sense of it all, 
that all my pain had finally come to a head and that I was no longer going to soak in it, using it as an excuse for my failures. She didn't know that having a child was when I finally found myself in my marriage, coming to terms with all my mistakes and flaws. She didn't know that it takes two to get divorced and that the end of a marriage is often the result of two who failed, not one. She didn't know the half of it and I wasn't about to tell her. Your flockers aren't going to know all that about you either, about the particular circumstances that led you to this point. I can offer you some ideas about how to handle them, but before we launch an all-out midnight witch hunt on the flockers, I want to remind you of a hard truth here. You too have stood in the flockers' shoes. At one time or another, you have been tossed the gossip ball from a friend and run straight to another friend to let her score another touchdown. You have questioned someone else's reality with your own perspective. We all have. It's called being human. It's desperately trying to find truth in someone else's story while escaping from our own lives for just a little bit. And of course, it's a way to ward off our own misfortune, however misguidedly. Now that you know the landscape of flock versus flea, let me give you some insight into all those post-divorce questions coming your way. Who are the flockers? Your flockers are going to include a wide range of interesting characters. Prepare for everyone from your grandmother, her favorite canasta buddy, your mom's friend at the coffee shop, and the lovely employee at your dry cleaner to every single other person in your family and friend group who fits the flocker frame. Pepper in a few acquaintances around town who have heard the sad news, and you have yourself a well-rounded cacophony of looky-loos who must know what went down behind the scenes in your marriage, and they'll want to know now. What fuels their motivation? Simple. Fear. They're not out searching for information on your split because they want to hurt you. More often than not, people, or women rather, go on this deep dive for details and hope that knowing every last ugly truth can help them avoid the same fate. You have to accept that people want to understand your situation as some kind of subconscious defense mechanism. When will the floodgates open? The questions will start flooding in as soon as you break the seal on your new divorce truth. You'll wonder if an ad was taken out in the local newspaper or someone flew a banner behind a small prop plane over the beach on a holiday weekend. Brace yourself, mama. Take a few deep breaths. The questions will come and then they will go. You, the end of your marriage, and what you intend to do about it will not be the topic on everyone's minds for the rest of eternity. They'll all get over it as soon as someone else's gossip hits the airwaves. What do they want to know? Well, this is obvious because we all know what they want to know. They want to know why this lovely union is no more, and I'll get to the reasons why you should be discerning about your story shortly. But very few flockers are going to come right out and ask. They're going to ask it in a way that takes the edge off the old, so why'd you get divorced, and wrap it in a neat and tidy bow instead. Here's what those little gifts will sound like. Them. But he was such a nice boy. You're most likely going to hear this from your grandma, your great aunt, and some of your nosiest neighbors. Here's how I've answered this. 
still is, but I'm well overdue for a nice man. Or, well, he's back on the market now. Shall I give you his phone number? Or better yet, nice does not a marriage make. Them. Seriously, you guys look so happy. This will come from your social media contacts whom you don't actually speak to in real life. You know, the ones who assume they know you based solely off of what you post. Here's how I've rebutted this ridiculous assumption. Did you post your last knockdown drag out fight with your husband on social media? Yeah, me neither. Or don't judge a book by its highlight reel. Them. Oh my God, but didn't you want to make it work for the kids? This seemingly judgy, passive aggressive question is going to come from just about anyone who is A, completely uneducated about the disservice two unhappily married people do to their kids, or B, the people in your life with young kids who may be unhappily married and are seeking validation themselves. This is one I could never just pass off with a sarcastic quip. This one always threw gas on the fire within me, waking up my need to set the record straight. Whenever I heard this, I'd immediately think of my mother, who, as an immigrant with barely any support system in the United States, left a cheating man to set a good example for her kids. She, like me, believed you don't fight for someone who will hurt you because that's not a good lesson to teach young children. The hard truth on this one. Your kids deserve a happy mom, not a married one, plain and simple. Your kids will benefit much more from being raised by a thriving single mother than in a home filled with tension driven by two unhappily married people. One of the most comforting articles I read on this topic while doing research for an article back in 2019, Should You Stay Together Only for the Kids, came from Psychology Today and told me everything I needed to know about the reality of staying married just for the kids. It said, in the long term, divorce can lead to happier outcomes for children. When parents are arguing or incompatible in a deep and lasting way, divorce can be a relief for children, a chance to breathe healthier air, free of the tensions of an unhappy relationship. When changes in family structure are handled well, children experience a temporary disruption but can achieve long-term resiliency and strength. If you are thinking about your children's ability to create happily productive adult lives for themselves, then the answer to whether or not you should just stay married is no. Try your best to make your marriage work, but don't stay in an unhappy relationship only for the sake of your children. The simple answer to give people who ask this question is, it's far more important to me that my child witness happiness than toxicity. Them. Aw, I'm sure there's a way you two can work it out. Divorce is awful. You don't want to go through that. Another knee slapper from the cheap seats in the back. This is what I call the back to the future question, because this comment almost always begs the response of, so should I just hop back in my time machine and erase all of the mistrust, pain, anger, and already filed divorce papers or what? This is almost always a projection from someone whose worst fear would be to end up where you are right now. Here's how I've responded to this. If we could have worked it out, we would have. And to be honest, I feel much better now than I have in years. So divorce really isn't that awful for me. Thanks. Them. 
Welcome to the club, Mama. I'm so happy for you. This, this, this is the kind of energy you need in your new post-divorce life, and you will almost always get it from other divorced women. This kind of encouragement can only come from the women who have been there, lived it, and grown from it. Seek these ladies out because they're critically important to your new divorce journey. Where can you find them? Almost all divorce coaches, much like myself, will have a Facebook group or other online community for you to join. This is ideal for the mom who doesn't yet have any other divorced friends in her community and will help you feel so understood, so unlonely, and so supported. Why be discerning about what you tell people? Well, I know times are tough right now and your vulnerability cup runneth over, but I want you to think about this why question long and hard. You want people to know the truth. I know you do. I wanted people to know my truth. I would have screamed it from the rooftops if I could have, but I couldn't have. You know why? It all boils down to respect. Respect for my daughter, Bella, and yes, respect for the man who was no longer my husband, but would remain a presence in Bella's life for years to come. Protecting my daughter's relationship with her dad remains at the forefront of all my co-parenting decisions day in and day out. Even when I know he's mad at me or doesn't agree with a choice I've made, ensuring that Bella maintains a positive attitude toward her dad serves to perpetuate a lasting love between father and child. I probably go heavier on this than many would because I understand the pain of not having a father present in my life. My daughter deserves to love her dad without my bias and your kids deserve the same. I always have such respect for women who bite their tongues, even though it burns them, knowing what it costs them to do it. Someone I worked with not long ago, whom we'll call Laura, had every reason to air her ex-husband's dirty laundry out to dry for all 750,000 of his Twitter and Instagram followers. But she zipped her lips. Laura was a hardworking professional who unfortunately found out the hard way that her husband, father to three of her young kids, had been cheating on her with a woman he met on the internet. She insisted that she would not give in to the attempts from journalists and reporters and even TMZ to divulge details of their split. Her ex-husband is a celebrity, and while she certainly could have gotten back at him by destroying his career or sullying his name, she put her kids first. I knew my kids would be so upset with me one day for putting that out in public, she told me, and I couldn't disagree with her at all. No one, not even your closest friends and family members, deserves access to this part of your story. Marital issues are extremely personal, and you're allowed to keep those tucked away forever if you so choose. As my name was finally called that morning in the coffee shop, I grabbed my latte, smirked, and answered my mother's friends succinctly. You don't have to be sorry about my divorce, I said. I'm certainly not. Long story short. Don't hate the fleers. Learn how to deal with the flockers. Not all your beans need to be spilled. Other people's projections are not your problem. You're allowed to stand strong in your choices, even if they offend others. Journal prompt. Have a plan. 
In what ways can you comfortably answer the inevitable divorce questions that may come your way? Write a script you can follow. Chapter 18, A New Mindset. The glass isn't half empty or half full. It's refillable. Remember the lady in the coffee shop? The one who tried to express her sincerest condolences for the recent and untimely death of my marriage, only to be met with my snide defensive quip? Yes, me too. I think about her often, to be honest, and wonder if she left the coffee shop that day, scratching her head in bewilderment at my laissez-faire attitude toward my divorce. I wonder if she said to herself, that Michelle Dempsey, sheesh, what a nut job. I often think about how I would handle this conversation today, given my growth in the four years since my split. I know exactly what I would say to her if we had a replay of this moment. My glass isn't half empty. And while maybe it doesn't seem all that half full either, it sure is refillable. Your glass mama is totally refillable too. And it's time to fill that baby up. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. For years, I've been writing, posting, and talking all about mindset. The word mindset refers to the attitudes, beliefs, and thought patterns that form habits of mind. There's a specific mindset that many women find themselves in after divorce. The one that tricks them into believing that they could never survive divorce. But the good news is, if you tell yourself that you're going to become the goddess of all goddamn goddesses after this split, it'll trick you into believing that just as easily. Your mindset, the shit you tell yourself about your given situation, that's what becomes your reality. In this case, your given situation is your divorce, and your task is to move forward despite all the challenges it creates. That doesn't mean it's not hard to get stuck in the negative mindset trap of divorce. Especially with people around you like my mom's friend in the coffee shop looking to mourn the end of your marriage. Even today, years later, a random Instagram follower or acquaintance I haven't seen in years will make a comment like, wow, it must really suck to not see your kid every day. Divorce seems awful. I'd hate to have to share my child with someone I wasn't married to anymore. This will temporarily take me back to a place of, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Before I realize that I did that, I'm doing it every day and there's no turning back now. It's a gut punch, definitely. But that's where I hit him with my mindset shift. Yes, it's hard, but I'm so grateful that Bella has a dad who loves her and wants to spend time with her. It all starts by realizing that your divorce is as much a rebirth as it is the death that people liken it to. Even in the practice of tarot reading, drawing the death card signifies new beginnings. This death is the end of a chapter in your life, and at the same time, a blank page on which to write the next part of your story. And guess what? The pen is in your hand now. You get to choose how you write it. With the right mindset, it's an opportunity for new experiences, an opportunity for growth, and most important, an opportunity to live a life you may never have had if you'd stayed in your marriage. You just have to teach your mind to default to a mindset that reminds you that this pain is also filled with possibility that your loss leaves a glass ready to be refilled to the top with good things. 
And naturally, I have some ideas about how you can go about doing that. Welcome in the negative thoughts for a second or two. Adjusting your mindset to focus on the positive doesn't mean you'll never have negative thoughts. It means that you have the ability to talk yourself out of them. Your positive mindset allows you to occasionally wander into the deep, dark, self-limiting thoughts like divorce has ruined my life, but then reminds you not to overstay your welcome in that yucky place because your positive mindset assures you that your life is not at all ruined. It's just different now. Allow your mind to wander where it needs to, when it needs to, but leave quickly. Give those negative thoughts the boot. I once worked with a woman who got into the habit of meeting up with a friend after work each day to vent about their divorces as they walked in the park. On one hand, I loved the fact that she was outside in the fresh air, connecting with someone who helped her validate her feelings. On the other, I hated it because she told me that she'd always return home from her walks feeling depleted and down. What if you gals limited these vent sessions to only a fraction of the walk, I suggested before also suggesting that they spend the rest of the walk talking about the things in life they're happy about and looking forward to. This let the negative thoughts in briefly, but kicked them right out the door when it was time for them to go. From negative to positive. So much of the work that I've done personally has involved reframing and talking myself out of negative thoughts. I acknowledge how I feel and then ask myself how I can take those feelings from a this to a that, from a negative to something that feels and sounds more positive. For example, from I feel so lonely today, I shift that to I have extra time alone today. How can I use that to my benefit? From I so regret ever marrying this guy to I'm grateful to have married someone who taught me so many lessons about myself. I learned these techniques in therapy and they've been a lifesaver. As you get more and more proficient in turning things from a negative to a positive in your mind, you realize your glass isn't only half full or half empty. It's whatever you need it to be. And you'll have a much easier time taking yourself from overwhelmed to empowered, from setback to looking forward, and most important, from sad to strong. Remind yourself of your blessings. One client I worked with at the very beginning of her divorce would always call me from the same spot in her home, her front porch. It had a picturesque Southern kind of vibe. There was a massive oak tree behind her left shoulder with a tire swing where you could just imagine generations of children had giggled. On one phone call, she carried the computer with her inside to get a glass of water, and I couldn't help but notice how stunning her home was, like something out of a catalog. As she went down the list of what was making her so unhappy on this day, I asked her to put the computer down and take a walk in and out of each room of her house and then come back and tell me what she loved most about her home. I reminded her how lucky she was to have this home, even if the man she loved had left it. We talked about the tire swing and how much her boys loved hanging out under that tree on weekends. We eventually channeled this mindset shift into her redesigning her husband's old home office to become a room for her to read and write. She found the beauty in a situation that had nearly broken her. She did something positive with it. 
So you see, no matter what is or isn't in the glass, you still have the glass and the power to fill it up however you want to. Do you feel me? There's something positive in every negative situation, whether you're ready to realize it or not. Instead of waking up each day, focusing on what you no longer have, make it a point to honor what you do have. Write it down in your journal for moments when you need a reminder. And if you're having trouble coming up with a list of blessings, go look at a photo of your kids. That always helps me. But I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish. For some women, it truly does feel impossible to find a positive. When you desperately want to stop feeling sad but can't. When the tears keep coming, no matter how hard you try to stop the flow. This is when I urge my clients and all women who come to me with these feelings to seek help. You'll never regret working with a professional who can lead you out of this slump, ever. Stop thinking of what could have been. It didn't last. It didn't turn out how you wished it would. There's no amount of what ifing you can do that will change this fact. Instead of wasting energy thinking about what could have been, focus on fixing the things in yourself that may have contributed to what happened. That way, you set yourself up for future success. Start thinking about the refill. Who said the glass has to be half anything? Maybe in this chapter of your life, the glass overflows with love, with self-confidence, with an abundance of joy and a renewed sense of self. Maybe this is when you finally take the time to do the things that your soul aches to do. Maybe it's when you finally give in to your deepest desires. Maybe it's when you put yourself out there after doing the healing you need to do with a new outlook on relationships, allowing you to attract the healthiest kind for your heart and mind. Maybe, just maybe, this is when you learn to live your very best life. Long story short, your glass isn't half empty or half full, it's refillable. You have the power to shift your mindset. Allow yourself to feel all the feelings, but don't live in the negative ones. Flip your perspective on its head and find the good in everything. Refill your glass exactly how you want to. This is your moment to rewrite your story. Journal prompt. Start rewriting your story. Where do you want to see yourself in a year? Five years. How will it feel? It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for?